Very good to see everybody out this morning. Um, did you think about your Creator when you woke up? i tell you what, I woke up, I had some good sleep last night. My hip wasn't hurting, my leg feels 20 years younger. And I thought, man, this is going to be a good day. You know, people that are involved in sports, they... Uh, their goal is to reach the championship game, whatever you, you know, uh, whatever you're involved in, the Super Bowl, the NBA Finals, or uh, the World Series. But the thought struck me that uh, uh, our Super Bowl is all every day this week. We get to come here and worship the Lord and, and study His Word. Uh, <clears throat> we changed uh, the topic up, and there was a interest expressed and uh, forgiveness and unforgiveness and I'm, I'm really excited about studying it's something that we need to be reminded of often I personally need to be reminded of it often and it's an integral part of being a Christian uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about that and <clears throat> by the way I'm glad you young folks came on up to the front I kind of felt alone up here for yesterday Uh, <clears throat> sin. The Greek means to miss the mark, to err, to do wrong, to violate God's law. And uh, those of you who know the difference between right and wrong and you know what sin is, you have intimate knowledge of this. You know because you've, you've, uh, you've, you've been convicted. Uh, so, I, I want you to consider things from just a moment, how men think, how the world thinks. Because we have a standard, the world has a standard, I should say. Who do you think's worst out of these guys? That's Nero. He was uh, personally responsible for killing thousands of Christians in the early church. Uh... He had a habit of putting them in cages in his courtyard and using them as uh, lamps. A uh, very, very bad man. Everybody knows who this guy is. Uh, people say he's responsible for six, seven million people. He was the enemy of the Jews. He did a lot of bad things. He was an evil man. This fellow here, not, people are, uh, not many people are familiar with, but uh, his name's Joseph Stalin, and he's credited with uh, the murder of twice as many people as Hitler. And his target was mainly people that professed to be Christians. It's a bad guy. This fellow here, supposedly, he's a college kid, supposedly it was the first time that he had ever gone out and partied with his friends and got drunk. And on the way home, he killed a mother and, his, and her four children. Now, he made a bad decision, and he changed a lot of lives. That sin affected a lot of people. <clears throat> what about the wicked? The murderers, the robbers, the thieves, drug dealers, abusers, abusers of children. The fact of the matter is, is 
We all have a pet peeve. We all have a personal opinion about who is worse in these categories. And for years, my, my, uh, just what turned my skin is people that hurt kids and old people. It uh, just was, it repulsed me. What about just your ordinary, everyday people that are sunk in sin and trapped in it? What about your liars, your immoral people, your drunks, your self-righteous, your normal, everyday sinners? What about good people? You know, uh, I buried one of my good friends uh, almost two years ago. It's the first good friend I had died. And uh, anyway, this guy, uh, he was a good guy. I mean, we had a lot of good times together. We played ball together, uh, kept in contact over the years. Uh, the guy made a really good life for himself on this earth. He was lawyer of the year in Oklahoma twice. Uh, his hobby was going to the hospital and donating money and visiting the kids that were disabled. Uh, he did a lot of good acts. Upon his death, his net worth was $555 million. And when they totaled up everything that he had given to charity, he, was twice, he gave twice as much to charity as what he was worth at the end. Now according to man's standards, that's a good guy, ain't it? And I sat there at his funeral. It was a two-day thing. If y'all aren't familiar with the wake, the first day is a remembrance in the Italian style. He was an Italian. The guy, all our friends showed up for the funeral. Eight people showed up for our 30th year high school reunion. My whole class showed up for his funeral. And I kept hearing these things over and over. He's in a better place. He was a good guy. He's with the angels. And I kept hearing these things. And I thought in mind, my friend never had an interest in God. Never. He never went to church. He never obeyed the gospel. What I'm trying to illustrate to you here is we have a standard as human beings of what is good and, and what is evil. What about you? Where do you fit in this, in this whole scale of sliding opinions about what's right and wrong. Because you see, God has a different standard. He has a different standard. In 1 John 1 and 8, if we say that we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. I've heard people say they've never sinned. I visited a woman one time. Uh, she was close to 80 years old. We were trying to do a Bible study with her and she said, I've never sinned. You know, uh, but of course the scriptures tell us different. Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's just a fact. I remember we were here, I think about three years ago, and y'all may remember this, Sean Zebach gave us a sermon on sin, and he said, if anybody here has never sinned, raise your hand, stand up. And one of the men's little babies was crying, so he stood, he stood up and he said, Man, I've never had that happen before. Uh, anyway, yeah, we're not going to let you live that down, are we? <coughs> but the result of sin 
In 1 Corinthians 15 and 56, the sting of sin is death. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. See, there's a, a penalty for sin. And uh, what we specifically want to talk about is sin, sin causes death on this earth, a physical death. But it also causes a second death. And that's what we want to concentrate on. Matthew 25 and 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Down in verse 46, And they shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, <clears throat> we've talked about this a little bit yesterday. Everybody here has experienced some level of physical pain. Some of it can be tolerable. Some of it is bad enough it'll make you pass out. But I tell you, if you, if you experience mental pain and emotional pain, it's ten times worse than physical pain. It is. Because there's not a... You know, doctors know how to, how to fix most physical pain. Most physical pain. Mental pain's a whole different area. And those of you who have experienced that know what I'm talking about. Brothers and sisters, spiritual pain is exponentially worse than either of those. And the final spiritual pain is total separation from God. Total separation. And it's hard to imagine being separated from everything that's good. Everything that's lovely. And all you're surrounded by around is sorrow and hate and pain. That's the second death. So what's the answer? What's the answer to this? It's forgiveness. In the Greek, and I don't attempt to pronounce these Greek names, y'all would get a laugh out of that, but it means deliverance, the pardon, a sending away, a letting go, a release. Releasing someone from an obligation or debt. I knew a fellow that <clears throat> he, uh, he accidentally killed his little sister. They were playing with a bunch of guns, and he was a teenager. And uh, he fired off a round, and, and uh, he basically got a life sentence for that. I'm going to tell you something. His family tried and tried to get that sentence taken away. And he's one of the few guys I knew that were, were semi-innocent, you know. I mean, he didn't intend to do, he did not intend to do that. I'm going to tell you something. When that guy got a pardon for that, you should have seen the relief being pardoned from that life sentence, which basically he considered a death sentence. So the forgiveness, we are all under a spiritual death sentence until we obey the gospel. And that's the fact of the matter. I want you uh, to consider where we seek this forgiveness. And we want to look at some examples of that. What's in a name? I want to ask you something. How many people do you know that are named John? Or Matthew? Or Luke? I know a bunch of them. Hundreds of them. Do you know anybody named Judas? I've never met one. Never even heard of one. There's probably somebody out there that's changed their name to that. I don't know. <clears throat> Why do people not name their kids after Judas? 
Well, we know why. Because he's put in a box. He betrayed Christ. He gave up the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. That's why people don't name people, uh, their kids Judas. I'm sorry this is so small, but uh, I'm going to ask you something. Do you realize what Judas experienced? Judas lived with the Lord. He heard him teach. He saw him heal the sick and the blind and the deaf. He saw him raise people from the dead. He witnessed all that. He ate with Jesus. He saw him feed the thousands, both physically and spiritually. <clears throat> the other thing he had in common with the other disciples is this. In Matthew 10 and 1, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, this is Jesus, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Judas was given power by the Lord. Can you imagine? <clears throat> I'm going to talk, before we get into this, I'm going to talk about Peter. You all know that Peter denied Christ three times. He denied him three times. And this was a guy that was, Marlon talked about it already. He was very brave. He was very proud. He was going to fight for the Lord. He attacked the high servant's, uh, servant, the high priest's servant. Very brave. But in a moment of weakness and cowardice, he denied the Lord three times. And Jesus looked over at him. And Peter realized what he had done, and he wept because he knew he had betrayed Christ. Now let's consider Judas. Matthew 27 and 3, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. You ever, you ever uh, notice that? Judas was sorry for what he did. And I don't believe that he thought that Christ was going to get caught. He had witnessed him escape so many times. But he repented himself. He was sorry for what he had done. But I want you to notice something. Where did he go to get that remedy? Where did he go? He repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. I'm going to tell you the difference between Peter and Judas. They were different people, granted. They had different failings. I'm going to tell you the difference between Judas and Peter in the end. Judas went to the world to remedy his sin problem. He went to get it straightened out in the world. Peter went to the Lord. That's the difference. Man's standard, just wel welcome Jesus into your heart. 
You've heard that. Just say the sinner's prayer and you're saved. Find your own path. We all just are on different roads that all lead to heaven. I sat there and listened to this for two days before this funeral. The way we worship doesn't matter just as long as we worship. Just as long as we're, we're trying to worship God in whatever fashion. All good people go to heaven. And when I say good, I'm talking about the way man looks at people. The good people go to heaven. God has a different standard. In John 4 and 6, He said, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's one way. 1 John 1 and 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. His blood cleanses us. So how do we come in contact with this blood? Because that's the one thing that saves. 2 Timothy 3 and 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which were able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. You hear. You hear. You hear that Jesus Christ came to earth. The very Son of God, which by Him we were created, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, shed His precious blood and died. The perfect sacrifice. You've all heard that. And if you hadn't, you heard it now. Romans 10 and 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Many people, almost the whole world's probably heard that story of the, uh, Jesus coming to earth and dying for sin. Do you believe? Do you believe it? A lot of people do. The devils believe it. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10, For the godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. What does it mean to, mean to repent? It means to turn from your ways. Don't follow that path anymore. Turn from it. Romans 10 and 10 again, Confess unto salvation. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, we all know people, we've all got friends, that have heard the story, they have supposedly believed it, they have repented, and they've said, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But these same friends will not do this final step. Galatians 3 and 27 for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. They claim that this is not necessary. That's what the world claims. But we're told over and over in Scripture that this is necessary to come in contact with the blood. Acts 2 and 38, Then Peter said unto him, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There is no other reason to be baptized than for the remission of sins. We don't get baptized because our friend walked up the aisle and did it. We don't get baptized to join a club. We get baptized for the remission of sins, to come in contact with that blood.
It's the only reason. Any other reason is just taking a bath. <clears throat> okay, so what have you believed? Man's standard? Or have you believed God's standard? Because that's the core. That's the core of sin and forgiveness. Sin and the remedy for it. It's the only solution. I wanted to lay this foundation, and now we're going to transition into unforgiveness, the root of bitterness. Now, <clears throat> have you ever held a grudge against somebody? I have. I remember the, the first grudge that I ever, that I can ever remember. I probably had others when I was younger. But I remember when I was in college, my mother called me and she said, uh, <clears throat> some boys, some senior boys have uh, said a certain thing about your sister that I won't repeat now. And she has been home crying all day. <laughs> so I immediately, you know, went into a fit of anger. And uh, since I was so far away, I couldn't get home quick enough. So I sat there for two weeks planning how we were going to get even with this. So the first opportunity I had, I came home. And these boys were down in the weight room, lifting weights, getting ready for off-season. And I went down there with my little brother. And we got them fellas. We took them to my house. We got my sister out on the sidewalk. And we made them fellas get down on their knees and apologize. And boy, I felt good about myself. You know what I realized after that was all over? I didn't do that for my sister. I did that for me. You know why? Because they wronged me. They disrespected me. And I was going to get even. We want to study about that. <clears throat> Hebrews 12 and 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. <clears throat> unforgiveness is a bitter root. And unforgiveness will destroy churches. It will destroy families. It will destroy friendships. And it will destroy individuals. It will slay Christians. <clears throat> We're going to spend some time in Matthew 18 and 21. And I think this is a great illustration that our Lord gives. Of course, all His illustrations are great. <clears throat> Matthew 18 and 21. Then came Peter to Him and said, Lord... How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Can you picture this guy? I can relate to him. Lord, how many times I got to forgive this guy? How many times? And the Lord answers him. 
He says, Jesus saith unto him, I say un, unto you and unto thee, until seven times, but not... Well, I'm getting confused. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Does that mean that he actually needs to forgive him seventy times seven? It means you need to forgive him every time. If he comes to you and asks you for forgiveness, you need to forgive him. And he goes on to illustrate this point. <clears throat> therefore, there is, therefore is the kingdom of heaven, that's the church, likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Do you know how much money that is? There's debate about how much it was worth. And I'm going to tell you something. This servant could not repay that debt. Not in several lifetimes could he repay it. But forasmuch as he had not, pay, not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children and all that he had, and payment to him be made. Then the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debts. He forgave him. He had compassion on him and forgave him. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid his hands on him and he took him by the throat saying, Pay me that thou owest. Pay me that thou owest. He had been forgiven an unpayable debt. An unpayable debt. And his fellow servant owed him 50 bucks. A payment that could be made in short order, but he would not accept it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever held somebody accountable for a debt that was payable? Have they paid the debt to you and then you change the price. And you raise it. And they pay it again and you raise it more. That's what the world teaches. We need to get even. Matter of fact, we need to get payback and a little bit more than even. Verse 29, And his fellow servants fell down at his feet, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. He begged him. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told him unto their Lord all that was done. <clears throat> then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had passion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. You see, this is what happens when we've been forgiven of a death sentence but we hold our fellow men to a different standard. You know who it's hard to forgive the most? 
those that are close to us, when they hurt us, that's hard. It's a hard thing to do. But we're commanded to. Verse 35, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. It's just a fact. We're commanded to do it. We're commanded to do it. Man's standard, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. You know, <clears throat> about three years ago, my, wife, uh, my wife's father fired her from the family business. And to make a long story short, he found it strange that she, he did, she did not run with his ways anymore. And uh, there were some very hard things and, uh, said and done. And my wife came home that night from the family restaurant, and she told me what had happened. And my first reaction was, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to read him the riot act. You will not talk that way to my wife. Basically burn him down with my tongue. That was my first reaction. I stayed up all night thinking about that. I had to be in Colorado that morning to preach. And I got up about 5.30 and I called Sean Zebot and I said, buddy, you guys, if you don't know what an accountability partner is, you need one. We all need them. I called him up and I said, this is what's happened. We prayed together. And I, as I was driving towards Colorado, you know what I realized? I'd been saying all along that I forgave this guy for previous things that had gone on. But I'd never forgiven him. I told myself that. I told my wife that. I'd never forgiven him. You know why? Because every time I had the opportunity to relate the wrongs he had done to my family, I related them. I was campaigning against him. I hadn't forgiven him. God's standard. Hebrews 8 and 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. We're human. We're human. And I realize that the human mind cannot forget. We don't have the capability that God's mind has. But we can try. And we can choose not to repeat the wrongs that have been done to us over and over. That's the first step. We don't repeat those things. We don't re recount what's been done to us that's so wrong. We don't campaign against people that have sinned against us. <clears throat> Man's standard. Just ignore them. Get even. Hope for their demise. That's man's standard. Hate your enemies. Worst the, wish the worst for them. That's what TV promotes. You know, 
<clears throat> I can't remember uh, ever like being just really hating somebody when I was a young teen. I'm going to tell you something. The world has promoted that so much that my poor kids, man, I mean, if somebody's, somebody did something wrong to them when they were 12 or 13, man, it was, man, it was war. It was World War III. You guys are up a big, against a big challenge here, and you need to recognize it for what it is. God's standard, Matthew 5 and 43, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, I love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. <clears throat> love your enemies. Do we have warm, fuzzy feelings about people that wrong us? We kind of glow in our heart. Feel tender for them. Loving our enemies is an act of will. It's an act of will. And you know what the best thing, the most righteous thing you can do for your enemy? Pray for them. Pray for them. <clears throat> I stumbled onto this in application with my father-in-law. Me and my wife made a practice of uh, praying for him. And I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> when I first started praying for him, all I could say was, Dear Lord, uh, please, please bless Ralph. Please bless him. And that's all I could say. I'm going to tell you something about prayer and the direction we're given by God in Scripture. When we pray for our enemies, guess what? We stop disliking them. And after a while, we start, we start liking them. I mean, I like that guy, you know. I didn't do that. The Lord did that. Because praying for our enemies changes our hearts, uh, the way we look at these people. It's a very valuable tool. He goes on to say, that you may be, your, be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Own it, or it will own you. This is another tool that He's given us to address our unforgiveness. If we admit to the Lord, Lord, I'm having a problem forgiving this guy. Please help me. Please forgive me for holding this grudge against this person because you've paid the ultimate price for me and this person has done this, you know. He owes me $50 and you paid the unpayable debt. It's a tool he gives us. Forgiveness blesses the forgiver. I just believe it blesses the forgiver more than it does the forgiving, because a lot of times those people don't care if you forgive them or not. <clears throat> I, uh, there was a family that used to come to Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving, probably shared 20, 
20 holidays with them uh, growing up. We had a lot of fun, loved the people. Um, <clears throat> as we grew older, uh, the daughter of this family I'm, I'm talking about, she, uh, she had a baby when she was 16 years old. And uh, shortly thereafter, she ran off and she, she left this baby with, with uh, her parents. And uh, <clears throat> that ended the relationship between the daughter and the mother. And uh, the mother came down with uh, stage four uh, lung cancer about four months ago. And the daughter got in contact with us and wanted us to mediate them. them uh, she wanted to be forgiven for that. And uh, mend that relationship before her mother passed. So uh, anyway, the doctor gave her six to eight weeks to live. They put her on home hospice, and the woman still, she still felt relatively good. I mean, she could sit up and talk and uh, she loved to watch women's basketball, and she would do that. Every time we'd go over there and visit, she'd, she was watching the Baylor Lady Bears play in the tournament. But anyway, we tried to see if her daughter could come and talk to her. And uh, she said, I don't have no daughter. And uh, anyway... She was a member of the church, but uh, how are you going to go out like that, you know? How are you going to go out like that? Because God says in Matthew 6 and 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We have to do it. Uh, I was over there visiting her about three days before she passed, and uh, all she could do is lay there and cry. And it wasn't a good cry. It was sorrow. Deep, deep sorrow. There's two kinds of sorrow. Sorrow that leads to repentance and sorrow that leads to death. Judas had the sorrow that led to death. Peter had the sorrow that led to life. Please get out your songbooks. This is truly an invitation. If you've never come in contact with the blood of Christ, I beg you to take that opportunity today. We have faithful Christians that can help with that. Uh, you can be forgive, forgiven of that debt. 
and you can uh, ensure yourself of a place where there's peace and love and joy beyond our imagining. If you have an, a, bit, a root of bitterness in your heart and it's just holding on to you and dragging you down and it's destroying you, if you don't take care of it, it's only going to get worse. That's the nature of it. Those roots will grow deeper and deeper and they will strangle your heart unless you pull them out. <clears throat> We're here as Christians not to embarrass one another. It takes a lot of courage to walk down that aisle and get help from the church. And these fellow brothers and sisters here, if you have a need, they're not looking at you and looking down at you if you come up for prayer. They want to help. Because we don't walk this walk alone. This is a walk we walk together. If we can help you in any way, please come as we sing the song. It's been selected. <clears throat>